Welcome to the Philosophy of Fighting Podcast with your hosts, Arturo and Anu. This is episode 48, and we're going to talk about basically injuries in combat sports and the statistics on them. I think some of them are pretty surprising. Right on. I, can we also talk about some other things, actually? I told the... Uh... Let's do it. I told my students I had a podcast and that I'd give them extra credit if they followed because I don't want to teach forever. And I'd rather make money doing this. So let's popularize it. (laughs) In the middle of class, we started talking about, because I guess they found that I do like a little jujitsu. They were like, oh, so who do you think wins in a fight? Khabib or Mike Tyson? And then the class just started having a discussion like full on. Like out of like the 80 kids in my class, 15 of them were like interjecting about Khabib versus Mike Tyson. Mm. And they're like, well, Khabib's smaller, but he could take him down. But Mike Tyson's a beast and is scary. And I, I just love that they were having that conversation. Like that means I think MMA and grappling is now transcended, you know, where I don't think 10 years ago that conversation happens. Mm-hmm. And I think like the respect of like wrestling, like definitely was higher than ever before. Because before it was like Mike Tyson's a god. He could beat up like 12 people at the same time. Right. Where do you put that scenario of like So I'm right guessing now- I'm guessing you're hypothesizing this dream fight to be in their prime. No. So it was both. Oh right, geez. Right, right now, where would it be like a 55 or 50? How old is Tyson? Like, I don't even know, but he's scary. 52 or something, 53, something like that. Okay. Tyson in his 50s is probably still like 230 and scary. Okay. And my okay. follow up would be what's the rule set? And it's like Khabib and it's like 185. And it's like they're fighting. They're just fighting. That's just the street. Well, no, people were then bringing up different scenarios. So we could go through like different scenarios. Okay. Do you- scenario where you think okay let, let me ask this first the okay. majority of scenarios let's say there's a random generator it's a playstation game okay you, geez so many variables but okay so who do you put your money on more like exactly you don't know the full skill set like you don't know if it's uh home field advantage is it the street is it a boxing ring who no weight put- no nothing like just i was i was imagining right now like the 185 chubby khabib and like a 235 pound Mike Tyson that's old. I'll I'll take Khabib. How often? Like how certain are you that Khabib always wins? Well, I won't say he always wins one, but he will mostly win. Yeah, right. I, I said that too. But I feel like Tyson still just has that aura where it's like hard to believe. Yeah, Tyson Prime, things are different. Tyson Prime, do you think Khabib has a shot of taking him down? MMA rule set? Yes. Yes, he has a shot. I just feel like Mike Tyson would have been so hard to take down with his like low stature, you know, the way he fought. Two people was- take anyone down. doesn't matter. It's just a matter of can he withstand the forces. And Mike Tyson's footwork is really good, too. It's just a matter of Khabib getting a hold of him and probably eating a shot or two. Can he even eat a shot or two from Tyson? I think so. Khabib yeah. had a pretty solid chin. I know, but it's just Mike Tyson. Of course, one. yeah. Tyson is one of the most powerful punches of all time. Yeah, exactly. So but we don't a- have that discussion again about like Deontay Wilder, more power than Tyson. 
better boxer than Tyson, but Tyson has this huge aura because he's vicious. The right? greatest. That's why the other thing was like, you're saying a fight because Mike Tyson ripped an ear, a man's ear off. Yes. You know, I think Tyson will go. I do think Khabib can get that way too, actually. But we know Tyson for sure will go to any lengths. Yeah. I feel like he would have been so hard to take down because he's so fucking just compact, you know, or somebody like Deontay Wilder. work really fast. Yeah. Deontay Wilder, somebody could go with like a low single leg, you know, like slide in, like trip him up, like ankle pick him, like do something. I feel like he has a touch of death too. You put him in MMA gloves and that reach and size advantage over could be, but take Deontay Wilder. Yeah, that's true. So it just so, it really depends. Like, what is your rule set? Like, it's it's so tough yeah. to do these things. And I don't I know just, why we do these things. Because it's fun. It's like it's so fun. the the class like awoke. Like, what? And then like I could see like everybody that didn't know the sport, but like, what the fuck are these people talking about? <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> I was like, I want to make this the rest of the class. And so Tyson versus Deontay Wilder, what do you do? Who do you pick? Prime. Oh, Tyson versus Deontay Wilder? Boxing, prime. I pick Tyson. Prime. He just gets inside. Yeah, oh, it's kind of tough, man. Yeah, I, I do think he gets inside. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. That's a fight I would love to see. I think it's close. Yeah, that's a fun dream matchup. Yeah. Or like a Tyson versus Tyson Fury. Yeah, that would be fun too. All right, all right. This is good. I like it. I think you also posted something that was interesting about a debate. Nate Diaz was saying how uh, boxing is in a fight. It's like playing basketball. It's a match, yeah. It's a match. How did you feel about that when he said that? Because who was he? He was making fun of somebody, no? Or what was he I, saying? I don't remember, but regardless, <clears throat> I think it's my. I think it really it's just a ploy for him to get a boxing match, <laughs> right? <laughs> but because like I'm with you on the first half, I'm like, oh, boxing's not as much of a fight as MMA. I'll, I'll give you that. I'll concede that. I think it's a fight, but like I'll concede that. Yeah, I do think that MMA has a less limited rule set. But to say it's akin to basketball, I'm like, yo, that's a whole nother reach. Like you had me in the first half, that second half, you lost me. <laughs> Boxing and basketball are not close. Yeah. And that leads us, I guess, to your discussion on injuries, because we even had a commentator on Instagram. And I think it was a guy, Keith, I forget his last name. But he wrote a book actually called Philosophy of Fighting. And uh, he spends with Sambo Steve. And so he writes it sometimes. And he was like, when was the last time somebody was beaten to death? on a basketball court, yeah. you know? And he's like, yeah. And so, yeah, like he kind of puts that statement by Diaz. He ends that statement by just saying like, yeah, nobody's ever been beaten to. And did, how crazy was it when they had the malice in the palace, which is like crazy because it's 20 years ago. Yeah. But it was when like on our test and a couple of. Uh, yeah, I remember that. Piston, Indiana Pacers and they were fighting. They were playing against the Detroit Pistons and they started a brawl in the crowd, somebody threw a cup of ice and Ron Artest gets up and he actually hits the wrong guy, like not the person that threw <laughs> But it was like kind of intense, like seeing these, like you don't realize how massive they are once they're against like regular people. Mm -hmm. <laughs> he just decking people and taking people out. Yeah, so we're going back to the injuries in boxing. What did you learn? And what have you, why have you been like reading about these injuries? In All right, sport? So I, I was just interested in injuries because, you know, I, I'm older. I guess there's a part of me that's not injured, but there's always something hurt. But I think that's a martial arts lifestyle. But as I get older, I'm like, oh, I should equip myself with more knowledge and see what data there is out there of combat sports. And I don't know, maybe I learned something from it, you know, especially with my background in, you know, exercise. And so I just figured maybe I can 
implement some things in my routine that would help combat that. But I was surprised to learn a couple of things. So in particularly about boxing, like you just asked, the Journal of Combative Sports documented 71 deaths from 1993 to 2007. But from 1890, which is as far as we got data from in boxing, from 1890 to 2007, there was 1,355 deaths. 1890 to 2007. So that is 117 years. There's how many deaths? Yeah, 1,355. So that averages to be 11.6 deaths per year during that history. Okay. Okay. Right now, that number has gone down over time, but that's still a shit ton. See, that's interesting that you think it's a shit ton because in my head, that's what sports do you have 11 deaths per year over any time period? You're right. See, I wasn't comparing to sports. I was comparing to lightning strikes. Right. Yeah. You're thinking of it like (laughs) the number of lightning strike deaths per year in America, I think, is like 11. And I think shark attacks in the world is like six, like six people die from shark attacks. Okay. And that's very rare. So, sure, but, then, but, the, but the prevalence of stepping outside to get struck by lightning is a lot more common than stepping into a boxing ring, right? Same thing. Swimming in the ocean is more common. So like in terms percentage wise, like chances are you get into a boxing ring. Hey, there, there's a, there's a little risk of death more so how, than just stepping outside or swimming. How many boxing matches are happening though every year? So that's the Does thing this- I, I, I checked on, I tried to follow through on that da- data to see if I can find like of how many matches that was taken out of. All they did is basically go through the, the records of deaths and see what the deaths were listed from. Does like this injuries also, from boxing, basically. Does this also count like I'm training boxing in my boxing gym and I died? I believe it, it does. Oh, so then I don't know. Like that's like a shit ton of people are participating in boxing, no? Like how many people do you sure, think? Sure, but boxing? if you're comparing it to lightning strikes, we all walk outside. Not in the rain. Everybody's so scared of the rain. They're like, oh, it's raining. I got to stay in now. And I mean, lightning can strike without raining too. Yeah, that's I, Either way, it's. I think it's a lot of deaths. It is. Okay. It is a lot when you definitely compare it to baseball. And the older I get, I know we have some fans that like baseball, but like I just get irritated at these baseball players that are always getting hurt running around the bases. Like, I feel like... Yeah. Well, I mean, they have pay guarantees and stuff. MMA doesn't. Like, I found in this other study, like, MMA athletes are pretty much always hurt and pretty much all of them don't take time off for it. Yeah. <laughs> There's a football player that was drafted, I think Andrew Booth Jr. from, I don't know, he's like Clemson, or a good school, like an mm-hmm. SEC school. And they asked him, like, he was drafted in the second round but he had like a first round grade. And he said something like, I haven't played healthy since high school. (laughs) (laughs) And like some people are like, yo, dude, you shouldn't say that. Like, you know, because you're hurt. Like, so maybe they're not going to draft you. But it's also like, maybe that's every single athlete in all of these sports are just always hurt, but they're just built different to (laughs) use a cliche because they're not making that much money. I also saw a scout was maybe fired because they called somebody a PhD, poor, hungry, and desperate. Oh, wow. But he, he used it as a positive. <laughs> and I was like, yo, is that really that horrible to say about a person? Mm. I, I don't know if he was fired for that or if they were just firing people because they're going to have a new office. But do you think that's something worth being fired about? Like if you told somebody they were a PhD, like poor, hungry, and desperate? 
No, I, I don't think so. But that's fucking like capitalism and war shit. You know, it's like, yo, I want somebody that's like, <laughs> like you want somebody that's a, they say like a dog, right? Yeah. Or like in grinder, like somebody that needs it. I would yeah, always. I, I'm with that. I mean, uh, we're probably just older school though. That, that's why. Yeah, I just feel so young. I guess like it's hard for me to feel like. Why am I old school already? <laughs> you know, like I, I know. <laughs> like maybe like when I was like sixty, I figured, but not at. We're at the age where it's like the changing of the guard. Yeah, if I had a, t- would you rather like a football team of all like poor people or like a boxing sure. team of all poor people or like all rich people? Like, yo, give me like the poorest, the hungriest dudes. Yeah, I want sure. that. Yeah. There's, there's a reason the fucking Marines don't go to Harvard to like try to get new recruits. You know, they right. don't go to the league schools. They go to fucking community colleges and poor high schools. Like, cause those kids are like, wait up, what? All right, like, I'll do this. Like, they're- yeah, but that also because they be, they have less, less ways out of their current lifestyle. Yeah. But that's what I'm, that's what I'm saying. Same thing. Yeah. yeah. You know, like once you find a huge contract in sports, like, I don't think you're ever as good. Mm-hmm. And part of that has to do with age, but like, I'll never, like, I hate when I see baseball teams, like sign somebody for like 260 million for 10 years. I'm like, that's it. You already just fucked up. Yeah. You, you lost already. You just gave them $260 million. Who's ever going to have motivation? Whatever. I guess what I'm trying to say though is, yeah, I guess people that do go into boxing and some of these combat sports are built differently because there is that risk of death, you know, yeah. so they're not, necessarily doing it because i don't know you know what i mean they have a chip on their shoulder for sure yeah they're not necessarily just doing it for the money for sure so um so let's talk about this mma thing so what this is interesting so this study was done over a 12 month period all right so it's not like entirely long and it it was actually just a handful of mma gyms in the midwest that's one of the things that you know could conflate data but this is all we have so far and over this 12-month period, they took people training and competing in MMA. Uh, okay. I think it said 93% were amateur and 7% were professional, which is probably like the makeup of what it usually is anyway, you know? Yeah. At a lot of gyms. And so they tried to study the rate of injuries, what, who was getting the most injured. If you had a primary martial art, was there any correlation with your primary martial art and how injured you got, how often, and what injuries they were as well? So I, I, it was pretty thorough considering. Mm-hmm. And, and they also did this. Yeah. So the participants, I think it was only like 55 people. That's another thing. It was enough, you know, to get like a published article, but you know, 50 is usually the minimum. They got 55 and it was aged from 18 to 39. You don't really find people usually outside of that age range anyway. Dude, we're about to be outside that age range. Okay, sure. Yeah, for, <laughs> for us, yeah. Um, now the data, the interesting things that I thought well, I mean, as you would expect, 95% were male, 5% were female. So, and uh, male participants definitely got hurt more than women. Okay. But again, there's more data there. Even like their average injury, I think it says male participants averaged 3.9 injuries per subject over that year, where females averaged 2.3. And what were the injuries? What were the most common injuries? So here, ho- hold on. Okay. 200 so 55 people over that 12 month period 207 injuries were reported right? okay 27 of those injuries were multi-injurious so like 
you know, a bunch of things were hurting from that one injury. Does that make sense? So like a leg kick causing a contusion and a sprain. Does that make sense? Yeah, now it makes sense. Okay. The most common body region injured was the head, neck, and face. Really? Of course. It's MMA. Like that's what you're hitting most of. Also what you're choking the most of. I would have guessed ankles and wrists. Okay. So that was second was lower extremities. So they divided it like that. Head, neck, and face was 38.2%. Lower extremities, 30.4%. Upper extremities, 22.7%. Torso, 8.2%. And groin, 0.5%. Really? Mm -hmm. I've definitely hurt my groin before. They even went even more specific. If you want to break up the face, they did nose, shoulder, toe, eye, neck, knee, head, ear, ankle. And it was in that respective order of injury. Is a cut an injury? Yes. Lacerations were the most common type of injury. All right. I've been cut on my eye. Am I- sure. Well, actually, the most common type of injury, I'm sorry, was contusions, which is basically just bone bruises. But they're real. Like they hurt strains, sprains, abrasions, joint trauma, fractures, lacerations, other miscellaneous trauma, dislocations, concussions, and internal organ trauma. Those were all part of it. So to me, those, everything you just mentioned there was an injury, but a cut isn't an injury to me. Okay. Laceration was listed on that. That's what they'd say. Yeah. A contusion to me is not an, that's getting hit. Oh, no, a contusion. No, you can get hit. A bone bruise can sometimes feel like a break. It just doesn't break. Oh, so just like really painful. Correct. Like when guys get leg kicked like crazy and they can't walk, but nothing's broken. That's a contusion. I feel like that's happened to me, but that's because I have weak legs. It's funny. So let's see. Of these injuries, 32.4% were repeated or previous injuries. 20% of injuries required medical attention immediately. 77.9% of injuries occurred in training compared to the 22.1% that occurred in competition, which is, again, that makes sense. You train way more than you compete. It makes sense. You get hurt training. Yeah. No, but I'm surprised even it's as high as 22% because I feel like you compete like 2% of the time. Sure. But competition is a whole nother level. That's that's what I mean. So the 21% is a lot. Like I think it's like 22. Yes. That's intense. I did go to this. So we were talking about people not taking time off. The most common amount of time off required after the injuries was zero days, 56.8%. See, to me, then you're not injured. If you could go back the next day, then you're just sore. You're beat up. Yeah. I mean, people train with torn MCLs and stuff like people do that. I'm talking about cuts and some of the stuff that you said was like in the 30% range. MCL. You have sure. real things that are like lacerated and st- then no, don't train for a week. Like take off. Like those people are insane. Right. Unless you're a fighter and you're like getting paid sure. tens of thousands of your career, then I get it. Then whatever you risk it for the biscuit. But uh, mm-hmm. if this is what you said, 93% amateur, 7%, like, Probably, no, yeah. I think most of what they're talking about, I feel like some of these numbers are a little skewed if you're counting cuts and stuff like that. I don't know. Maybe. I, I don't know. Again, lacerations wasn't the most common, but it's it's in there. So yeah. they also broke it down by your primary martial arts style. For okay. The, for the analysis purpose, though, the injury rates were not reported for those that, that declared. They were only reported for participants who declared one primary martial arts style. If they didn't declare it, then it wasn't counted. 
Okay. I would say most people have one martial arts style, though. Correct. The most common martial arts style from these people was wrestling. 36.2% followed by jujitsu, 34%. So it's definitely way more grappling heavy. Okay. That was their primary. And plus you said the Midwest. Correct. Yeah. Those corn fed boys are great wrestlers. Yeah. Some people listed their style as freestyle. So I guess you can say that's, you know, it wasn't freestyle wrestling. It was just freestyle. So, and then kickboxing, boxing were later other, other ones, the experience levels they measured too. And they just basically broke it down by like, if you had a, a, a belt rank, what was it basically? And they broke it down by like white belt, low belt, high belt, black belt. I don't know why they couldn't just list all the belts, but okay. And if they didn't have a belt, they just basically like, how many years of experience do you have? It's because us blue belts don't get the respect that we deserve. (laughs) So (laughs) of these people, 47% had less than one year training experience. Okay. So the less you train, the more hurt you get. That is definitely part of the data. Yes. The, The lesser... Actually, it was more on the polar opposite ends. So the more experienced you were, like the professional level, the more hurt you got. And also the less experienced level, like a year or less, they got hurt a lot. The in-betweens got hurt the least. Interesting. My favorite Sambo Steve quote that he taught, said to me when I first started training and like it stuck with me forever is train martial arts. You will live longer, but you will live in pain. Yeah. <laughs> I always thought that was so cool. Like it's like you live longer, but you live in pain. I'm like, all right, I'll yeah, I'll do that. So the newbies definitely got hurt the most, but professional fighters had more injuries than the amateur fighters. In fact, it was three times as much. Well, that goes with what you were saying about competition, and they're in that competition yes. mindset. Professional fighters averaged eleven injuries per subject over that twelve month period. That's 11? an injury almost every month. Okay, it's a lot. Yeah where the amateur fighters averaged 3.2 injuries per subject. And you said the medium had less. So that kind of goes with, I think, like what Faraz Sahabi was saying, like more rest is good. So the people that are kind of more in tune with their body is like what you're saying with like- the Yeah, medium. they have it kind of figured out, but they're not competing at like maybe high levels and stuff. They're, they're at least risk because they know what's going on, but they're also not putting themselves in as much danger. Hmm. That's yeah, the idea, at least. I kind of feel like I'm like that type of person. I definitely don't train as much as I'd love to sometimes. And sometimes I will listen to my body. Yeah. And knock on wood, I've been like, okay. So I thought this was also interesting. They also tested like protective equipment. There's only one piece of equipment that 100% of users used. A cup? Mouth guard. Really? Yep. I don't use a mouth. I don't even use a cup either, though. A groin, protect- a groin protector was 87.1%. What do you use? Do you, when you, when you do jujitsu, do you use a mouth guard? I wear a mouth guard every time I've chipped too many teeth. My dentist, yeah, my dentist is also someone I used to train with and he gets mad at me for not wearing a mouth. I have always wear a mouth guard since I've seen him. Okay. Yeah. I did that. Yeah. I did that at Sambo Steve's gym, but I never did that anywhere else. I even wear a mouthpiece drilling because I don't know how like, you know, you get partnered up with a guy you may not know. And they start moving really erratically. All it takes is that one like elbow to the chin or something like, all right, dude. So I always wear my mouthpiece on the mat. Okay. That's a good lesson. What was interesting is headgear was only worn by 38.7% of people. Well, that's how many people did boxing. You said no. Mm-mm. It was, there was, a, I mean, boxing gloves was used more than headgear, which, okay. makes sense. But shin guards were used more than headgear. 
hand wraps were used more than MMA gloves were used more than headgear. All that stuff more than headgear. Headgear is akin to like a little bit more than knee pads. <laughs> Why do you think people don't use headgear? Because I don't know. Uh, I'm not sure if headgear helps as much as people think it does. So one, I think if you're training MMA and headgear, it changes things with grappling, you know, getting collar ties or like even like like guillotines and stuff like that. And just in sure. general, headgear, like, is it preventing the trauma? I don't know. Your head still gets rattled in headgear. Like, I think Big Russ was the one that mentioned it. He's like, if you've got headgear on, he's like, I'm going full force on you. Yeah. It's like the illusion of protection. So you can go harder on them almost. That's why I'm a believer of one of the ways, ways of reducing concussions in the NFL is to remove the helmet. Yeah, that, that is uh, less people. It's, it's will- not entirely uncommon to hear that. Yeah, I kind of do believe that because you have people just running head first like missiles. They won't do that if they don't have a helmet. Like they'll just really take you down properly, proper form. Right. So I here's the to- other thing to discuss right. though. There's also difference in rule sets between professional and amateur. So the reason why professionals have three times the injury rate, it could be argued that their bouts are longer, right? Professionals do three five-minute rounds. Amateurs do three three-minute rounds. That's one. Okay. Two, amateurs can't throw elbows. They also can't, they usually have shin guards and or headgear where professionals don't have either of that. So those things could be cutting down the injury rate potentially substantially. Also in amateurs, I don't think you can do ground and pound. Well, it depends. In some states, you can't strike the head. I think you said that recently, like in New York or whatever. Yeah, you can't do the head. So you could ground and pound the body, but that's not as effective. So they don't tend to do that. And no elbows at all. And elbows cause no elbows at all. And if they're counting that as injuries, that would prevent the, you know what I mean? Yes. Like enough, so easy to cause like a cut. And so once you remove that, I feel like you're taking out like one of the biggest injury things that they're saying. Yes. Oh, so anyway, when we're talking about the different styles of martial arts, uh, the people that were injured most were jujitsu primary based fighters. Why do you think that is? I would theorize that jujitsu players are more comfortable on their back. And since they're on their back more, they're taking more shots. But that would be my guess. But if it's just jujitsu primary people, what shots are they taking? Most people no, don't. No, do. It's not. This is all people compu- like basically training in MMA. They're oh. just listing jujitsu as their primary martial art. I got confused in this whole sentiment. Mm. Okay. They're all doing everything, but some people have a primary. Correct. Huh. So the people doing jujitsu had the most injuries. Despite, if you look at separate sports, grappling sports do have less injuries than the striking ones. Really? I wouldn't have guessed that. I wouldn't have guessed that either, but that, that's what it says. The overall injury grappling sports demonstrate much lower injury rates compared to striking martial arts. And it's mostly because of wrestling. Wrestling brings down the numbers significantly. Of all the combat martial arts, wrestling has the least. The injury rates are as low as one injury per 100 participations. That's why we got to take out the cuts, though. What a one out of 100 is so low. Right. Like, and so like that. that drops the average. But you could also argue that, you know, all of this is also survey based. So you could also be, you know, they're constantly doing surveys, I think, every week for the study or whatever. Wrestlers could just be stubborn and be like, I'm not hurt. Exactly. (laughs) So, you know, like it could just be like the people that are tougher are just saying they'll hurt less. But anyway, that's the data we have. 
And so did you know grappling are... sports have lower injury rates? It seems like the grapplers in MMA have the most. But the jujitsu guys complain the most. That's what you're yeah, saying. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. Like, yeah, everything hurts. I, do, I like, yeah, I like that. I'm, I'm thinking of like Khabib's thing, like Samba. Like, whereas like if, if jujitsu was, if Samba was easy, it'd be called jujitsu. And I love the, the, the fight it started like online between like the Samba crowd and like the mm-hmm. jujitsu crowd and maybe yeah everybody's getting hurt the same but we're just honest so like yeah we're actually in pain you know where like the sambo would never admit it like yeah this is just normalized so i don't know if this data might help push you to wear a mouthpiece but it says that the studies indicate the risk of an orofacial sports injury was 1.6 to 1.9 times higher when a mouthpiece was not worn so you know you have almost a two times likelihood chance of something bad going on when not wearing a mouth guard yeah i don't know i've never i should do these things but i just never do it's a bad thing to hurt i'll tell you that again there are limitations of the studies right it's only 55 people it was in the midwest it seemed like it was you know because it was in the midwest it seems more wrestling jujitsu dominant and less striking dominant people in general Mm -hmm. but they did do I mean, it's also compiling data from other studies that literally looked at, you know, just boxing or just kickboxing in different places, Australia, US. So it references a lot of other analysis. But yeah, it's it's good information to have still. Definitely. And I want to see like, yeah, longer term analysis of this. I mean, yeah, eleven point six is a lot. And it reminds me of actually I saw a boxing reel of a guy got hit in the back of the head while he was boxing. Mm-hmm. And they, whatever, like they kept the fight going or whatever. It didn't seem like anything. And then like two days later, he had like brain bleeding. Yeah. And he couldn't even, he couldn't walk. Like he couldn't do anything. Yeah. He, he looked like somebody, like he was in a wheelchair. Like, I don't know the right term. Like I've seen this. Yeah. It is so sad. So yeah, I mean, I wasn't trying to diminish the 11.6, whatever. It's just right. a podcast. We're just talking, you know, like thinking out loud. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, this is why I just respect fighters so much more than a lot of these other athletes where it's like they really are doing something so dangerous. And we always talk about fighter pay where it's like, how are you not paying some of these people better for their entertainment? Because it is athletic based. We don't want to see people dying. You know, we're not like necessarily right. being like. So here was another study comparing boxing to MMA. And I know Mm -hmm. a lot of people tout that MMA is more safe than boxing, but there's analysis that doesn't show that. Okay. And I I think you're going to see this more and more, especially with incidences of CTE becomes more prevalent, that you'll see that maybe MMA does have more than boxing potentially. Okay. So there was, so the overall injury rate for professional boxers was 17.1 per hundred boxing, or I'm sorry. 3.4 3.4 per 100 boxing rounds. 3.4 injuries for every 100 boxing rounds. Okay. MMA had 12.5 injuries per 100 rounds. Yes, four times higher. Correct. I mean, it makes sense though. You're working on more of the body. Right. So yeah, yeah for, for boxing, facial laceration is the most common injury. It accounts for 51% of the injuries, followed by injuries to the hand, then eye, then nose. That's most I'm, of it. I'm curious just about the CTE, because I think it was you that told me this, 
mm-hmm. where with a boxing glove, you could absorb a little bit more punishment. So you might get hit a hundred times before you get knocked down. Yeah. Where the MMA gloves are less. So if you get hit four or five good times, you're going to get knocked down. And so it's those less 95 punches that you're getting hit, which is lowering your chance at CTE. Do you think in a longer term study with this brain damage, just not their example of what they consider injuries, but just the idea of brain damage related injuries? How do you think? I I don't know, because you can argue that, you know, boxing will let you get up if it's before a 10 count and you can get even more trauma. You know, you have the three, you have the three knockdown TKO where like in MMA, chances are if you get knocked down, they won't, there's no 10 count. The fight's either over or they allow a few shots on the way down to see if it is over, if you do have your bearings. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I've seen instances that, you know, where refs get it wrong and they take too many shots and you're like, all right, there's definitely some problems there. And then you've seen instances where it's an earlier stoppage. So I don't know how that might average out over the entire sport. I do know that taking a shin, you know, a four ounce glove, an elbow, those things are going to have way more impact in one shot. So I don't know what's worse, a bunch of less impact or I, I don't know. So you're all, all, all I'm saying is I don't think the MMA is safer. I think it's probably the same thing. The same. Okay. You yeah. Think it's- I, I think it's probably the same. I, I, think I, do- I don't think it'll be more. But I don't think it'll be much less. I blame some of these refs too, because I was watching the Cheeto Vera Rob Font fight, mm-hmm. and there was a couple times where like Cheeto got a great shot, and yep. Rob Font backed up and felt like fell on his ass, and then Cheeto would pound him, and Rob Font would do like this. Yeah, he would defend himself somewhat intelligently, but it wasn't that intelligent. It was like, yo, stop the fight, <laughs> like you know, like to me. I, I thought that too, and I'm glad you bring this up because. There was even a time where I think like Cheeto kicked him. He did like basically like sweet chin music, like a super kick to him. It was like the first yes. time I'd see that like hit. Yep. It knocked him down and Cheeto didn't really like follow up on it. But I thought Rob Font was out. Yeah. There was a couple times and there was a knee. Cheeto did the thing with the knee too. And I think there was once like yes, a hook. I remember that too. But I'm saying in this particular instance, I was like, Cheeto has him knocked out. I think Cheeto really dislikes Rob Font or something to like let him get up to like fuck him up more or something. Like it gave me that type of vibe. I'm like, why? Why isn't he finishing this? Why isn't the ref call? Like it was a weird feeling I had about that hit. I took it the opposite way. I took it because he was like kind of hesitating. Like he didn't want to do it. And the fucking ref forces him to do it by not stepping in the middle. Yeah, maybe. Well, no, because Cheeto just basically was like just kicking his legs instead of like entering his guard and smashing him, especially because Cheeto is the better grappler of the two, too. So I was like, why? Why wouldn't you go down there to finish him? Maybe. But also, like you mentioned, like a lot of these fighters don't make that much money. They got to be safe. Like, yeah. And you know what? In that instance, you're right, because at that point, he was already winning on the judges scorecards. Like there's no need to take any risks. So, yeah, sure. That. You could make that argument. I just found that one particularly like, ooh, could that potentially be the reason? Yeah, I don't know. It was weird to me. That's why I loved when Mark Hunt would knock somebody down and then he would just walk away. And yeah. I, think, I, think, I think it forced the ref to be like, all right, we're going to stop it. Where if Hunt went and jumped on them, I think sometimes, and then the guy's instinct would be like to put their hands up and they would defend themselves. 
but they're yeah. still knocked out, but they're kind of defending themselves. The ref would be like, oh, are they going to like? Right. Well, I mean, Sean O'Malley does walk-off knockouts, but there was one time when he did a walk-off too soon. You remember? Yeah, vaguely. Yeah. Vaguely. I, I forget who it was against, but I remember he walked off too soon and it wasn't over. He had to go back in there. But was it against that guy that took 500 punches that we all liked? I don't think it was Montino. I think it was someone else. I don't remember. There's always going to be outliers. I just feel like if somebody gets hit, takes a step or two back and falls on their butt, and all they do is go for a deep half guard, they're out. You know what I mean? Like, what are you doing? Like, leaving? Uh, maybe. I, I'd say you give it a second or two to see if, like, they can minimize the strikes. Like if they're closing the distance, they're staying tight enough where they're not going to take any shots or maybe gave, even get on top. But he gave him 20 seconds and he got elbowed 15 times in those 20 oh, seconds. Oh, yeah, no, in that scenario, yeah, I'm 100%. That's what I'm saying. But I'll How just was- point out that Kevin Randleman dropped Fedor on his fucking head and Fedor just spun out, got side control and comored him in a matter yeah. of 10 seconds. But he did it quicker than any ref would be able to do anything. So sure. it wasn't- I'm, I'm just saying like, you can't count them out at the moment either. No, but this was like slow-mo destruction where it was like, That's he true. got hit backed up and fell down. And that yeah. happened a couple times where it, it was did. like, yeah, a couple. Yeah. So it's like, dude, eventually it's like, all right, your balance isn't there. Your face is a wreck. You're not doing that. Well, not enough coaches, nor refs do the right thing by these fighters. It's tough, man. Those are, it's tough. Well, coaches are. That's tough. I, I honestly don't. Coaches are blinded because their money's involved. That's what I'm saying. So it's not tough. They're just. Yeah. Okay. The the, the ref's job is just tough. It I know people tough. say like, oh, hardest job in the world. Definitely not the hardest job in the yeah. world, but it, it's tough. It's like when people say mothers are the hardest job in the world. And right. Bill hardest Bur- job in the world, but like everyone does it. Yeah. Oh, so. Exactly. Bill Burr's like, yeah, it's really hard to put the DVD in. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, really? <laughs> no, I just, um, I get it. It's hard. But by the second or third time somebody's stumbling and falling, it's better to be on the side of I'm stopping the fight than on the side of let him get hit 12 more times. Yeah, I'm with you. I think early stoppages are better than late stoppages. Yeah, and I'm not saying the first time, like the first time, like, all right, let him try. You should know all the fighters anyway. But is Rob Font even like a jujitsu dude or is he more a boxing stand-up guy? No, nah, more stand-up. So that's what I'm saying. If he's going for some deep half guard and like, low, he, he's doing it out of desperation. Like, you know, it's right. not some, you got to know the fighters and you got to know what their skill set is. And you should be like, this isn't what he wants. And now you got to protect him as your job at the ref. And, and yeah, maybe uh, boxing. Because the few times I have watched boxing, I felt like the stoppages were early. But mm-hmm. now I'm thinking I feel like the stoppages are early because I watch MMA mostly where the stoppages are too late. Right. Where maybe the boxing people have more experience because it's just been a longer sport. Like you said, 1890. Mm-hmm. Where Where is this MMA data coming from 2007, you know, <laughs> like just mm-hmm. 15 years. So, yeah, our refs are dumb compared to boxing refs where boxing refs are like, all right, we gave you six rounds. You're going to lose. And there's only diminishing returns right now. So I'm going to step in for you where the right. MMA guys are like, whatever, just bleed. I don't want this guy to maybe also if you do. I think if you do get knocked out, you can't fight for six months. 
And so that fucks with your paycheck. So I wonder if refs are thinking that, like, oh, let me let this guy just get to the UD unanimous mm-hmm. decision just so they can fight again and make money. But once again, you're hurting the sport. You're hurting your talent level. Like, you got to think about the long term instead of the short term payoff. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. <clears throat> right. With the NFL draft this year, like these are 20 year olds, you know, and sometimes people will draft somebody thinking like, all right, they'll be good in two years and then they'll have like a great six years with us. To like, you know, like they're thinking long term. They wouldn't be like, oh, no, you have to play right now with like a hurt leg. That would just hurt their right. investment. Yeah. But they don't look at these fighters as investments. I really do think a lot of times now it's just like beef, you know, like, yeah, you're right. Throw it out there. Yeah, because you do have other guys. I mean, you could argue that for team sports too. There's another guy to take their place, but I don't know. Yeah, MMA is different though. So, and I'm as a uh, capitalist, not as like a peaceful hippie person. Like I'm saying, like NFL is worth thirty billion dollars. Mm-hmm. You know, like I think MMA should be the biggest sport in the world, like FIFA, because everybody understands fighting, right. and every country has a martial art. And I want to see fighting as like the ultimate sport. Like that's the way I look at it. And so mm. treat it like a little bit like the professional sports that exist. Yeah, I, I agree. There's some other data I should put out that I think, because some of this data is old, so things can be different now, but there's no mm-hmm. data that's more current than this, I should say. So when they did the data from professional MMA uh, fights, so not in that particular 12-month study I was talking about, but just in general, comparing boxing to MMA, the MMA data was only from 2001 and 2000 to 2004. 2001 okay. is when they uh, changed the UFC rules, MMA rules. So they did the analysis from 2001 to 2004 to see how much less UFC fighters were getting injured compared to the, you know, no hold bards day, and also in comparison to boxing. So what I found really interesting is during that time, 2001 2004. You know what the most common MMA finish was? Like how most MMA matches ended? Ooh, let me think about this. Normally, you'd think it's it's decision. A decision? That, that's no. usually the most common occurrence. Like if you just go through a card, what is the most common outcome? Usually it's decision. See, in my, head, in my head, I would have guessed TKO because when I'm thinking about the old days. In the old days, yes, it was TKO. But I'm saying today it's decision. Yeah, but you said 2001, 2004. Correct. That's Those old. are the old days. Yeah. So yeah, I would have been TKO. Like TKO elbow. is. TKO was the number one most common occurrence in MMA, followed by tap out. Decision was the, the least, which is crazy. That, that's different today. Now it's decision? Yeah, I would say it probably is. I don't have the data to show that, but all I know is that when I make my picks on Verdict MMA every week, most common thing usually is decision. Interesting. I think, babe, what do you think that is? Just people are getting better? So they're just uh, closer. Yes. I, I think people's skill sets are closer now than they once were. Everybody's just good. We also have like rankings where back then there weren't really rankings. Yeah. So, you know, like there were more mismatches potentially. And so you have easier ways to finish. Yeah. Sandbaggers. Yeah. Um, they make. Yeah. The, the knockout rate. The knockout rate was less than boxing, of course. So they said that, you know, because it has less than boxing, that was a big reason. And there was no MMA deaths, despite like the limited rule set. Those were big reasons in that these rules got accepted and 
you know, UFC or MMA got legalized in so many states. If the in, if the knockout rate was comparable to boxing or more at that time, I wonder if that would have been the case. Hmm. It's weird to like accept boxing for what it is, but MMA was like, no, no. But because they show it like, oh no, this is less than boxing. They're like, oh, okay. <laughs> I don't know. It seems more vicious. Whenever I watch it, I feel like still less now than before. Yeah. But I remember when we first started watching it, a lot of people would be like, why the fuck are you watching this? You know, like yeah, was- there was no weight classes then. Yeah, it was wild. Where they also and did the-, the like analysis, like if you adjust with adjustment for weight and match outcome, older age was the associated with the most chance of injury, which of course makes sense. Yeah, that makes sense. Plus you're carrying injuries from the past. With older exactly. Age. Yep. Not even that yep. you're necessarily And that was another thing about the injuries in MMA compared to boxing is some could argue that there are older people in MMA than there are in boxing. Yeah. There's a, you get better older in MMA. Like I feel like you're like 35, 36 and you just got that savvy or you know how to fight. Right. You're not really finding boxers of that age is at least as prevalent. Yeah. Except our boy, Bernard Hopkins. (laughs) Insane outlier. Yeah. George Foreman, outlier. You know, like th- these guys, yeah, most boxers are in their 20s. I'd say most MMA guys are probably like early 30s. I think that's the prime. Somebody was telling me like prime yeah. for about, they say it's like 26, 27, 28, 29. And for MMA people, it's like 32, 33, 34. Yeah. 35. I think that's it. Yeah. Grind them down. Yeah. So I I think the takeaways are you're not alone if you don't wear headgear. (laughs) Mouthpiece seems pretty essential, I would say. And that if you don't want to end up with a lot of injuries, maybe do more than (laughs) jujitsu. Yeah. Do wrestling because then not getting injured. Correct. Wrestling would have the least, but you're also like wrestlers are the youngest of all those martial arts. I really believe it's because what you said, it's just wrestlers don't complain. That too. But also like most wrestlers are high school and college age. Yes. Yeah, so there'd be less injuries at those ages anyway. Yeah. And us 30 year old jujitsu people. <laughs> like, you know, like, yo, my exactly. finger. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So it, it, it's tough to definitively know the reasons why this is just what that data suggests. So your kid, your kid goes, Hey, like I want to do combat sports, which combat sport? Are you going to be like, all right, I feel like this is the safest for you. Where are you going to oh, try to put I'll still say wrestling. Wrestling. Yeah. More than jujitsu. Yeah. Cause I just think wrestling does more for your discipline than anything. Yeah. You want them to be disciplined. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. Jujitsu guys. I mean, I don't know. Like if I pull the average jujitsu guy, they're more like, they're probably more like a rebel. They're probably more like a stoner. They're definitely more of a nerd. They probably, yeah. We're like a, a wrestler. It's like a farmer's son. You know what I mean? Like, just it's different. You're putting down your whole tenth planet gym, bro. <laughs> Arturo's talking about me right now. Why wouldn't you want me as a son? Yeah, I want discipline, man. Go to Iowa. Yeah, maybe we'll move. Dude, there. disciplined people don't do rubber guard. Maybe I don't know. I'm positive of it. <laughs> <laughs> is it direct? Is not it direct like, causation do- with rubber guard and discipline, huh? Yeah, the death trap or whatever Nathan you <laughs> Ted Planet people. What are they cradle? Hey, like, hey man, know. those guys have discipline because they keep fucking showing up every day in the gym. 
Yeah, high. They're showing up, man. They show up, they compete. Yeah, they definitely have discipline. I just think there's a different type of discipline, especially at the high school level when you wrestle. I agree. So I, I think that that that's what I would say I would like for my son. But ultimately, I mean, we'll see what happens. Yeah, I smoke weed, but I've never maybe once or twice I've smoked before rolling. Mm-hmm. I never liked it. Oh, much. wow. Okay. I'm surprised. Well, I just lose the high anyway. Like I'm sure. You know what I mean? Like I'm wrestling. Like <laughs> I'm not chill. Like, you know, so like it goes away. So I'm not mm. like, I'm, oh, I'm in a Zen flow state. Like I never, I feel like I'm always like that. I'm always thinking, yo, how do I get out of this and do this? Or, mm. you know, not like it helps me per se. I never understood that aspect of it. Mm-hmm. I just feel like, you like smoking smoke, you know? Yeah. But I never, did it to enhance my abilities on the mat. I always thought that was like a little. Gotcha. Well, I don't know if I'd call it a performance enhancer. Rogan like... called... Say again. Joe Rogan says it's a performance enhancer. Like yeah, I say guess for... you can make it like a focus drug or something. Maybe. Yeah. Cocaine is a performance enhancer. Yeah, that. Okay. The great Lawrence Taylor and Mike Tyson <laughs> told us like, you know, like yeah. Mm hmm do a couple of lines and fucking rage. Yeah. I, I wonder like if that's another consideration for injuries in some of these reports, like what stuff people might be on. That's the, that's the fascinating part about any data. Cause you can't put all of it together. Yeah. There's football players that are like, yo, I don't want to be on Vicodin. And there's, I forget the guy's name, but like he got suspended for smoking weed. He's like, you want me to do Oxycontin and Vicodin for my pain, but you can't let me smoke weed. And then like, cortisone too so you're just numbing your body mm-hmm. and break down where it's like you gotta like get some massages and therapy you know like the other types of things to heal you and then how will that impact yeah your in- but 100 yeah that's fascinating that's fascinating i want to see more of these studies but for the bigger injuries this last week like this guy strong dude i was like rolling with him and then I got on top, which was great. And then he got me in a wrist lock. And like, while he got me in the wrist lock, I was like, yo, I'm not fucking tapping to this. Oh, but boy. then, but then I was also like, fuck, this hurts. <laughs> and then like, and, and then I, and then I always do the same thing when I think like this. And I'm like, oh, I'm thinking about this right now while he has it on me, which means like two seconds have passed or three seconds. have passed. And then I start having a clock in my head. I go, oh my God, more seconds are passing. And then I go, well, it's either going to break or I'm going to get out. And then I got out, you know, like, oh, wow. Okay. And that always happens, but there's going to be a day I don't get out. But then in my head, then I'm like, oh, maybe I should have tapped. But then I'm also like, I'm glad I didn't tap. (laughs) I ended up taking his back and I had good position, you know, and I was like, Mm. good, happy. Until the time you get hurt. So it just depends. But yeah, the last, then you do get more savvy in knowing when it is too far. The rest of the week, my wrist did hurt, mm. but, it, but then I'm like, yo, is that an injury or not? And it obviously wasn't that good because otherwise I would have tapped. Mm-hmm. So it's like a weird feeling, but I get this anxiety like, oh, should I? Have? And then it, it's almost worse. The rest of the week, I think about it where I'm like, yes, yeah, so oh that's what's weird about injuries and pain is having something physiologically wrong with you can manifest in pain, but doesn't always. And reverse happens too. You could have no physiological factors and manifest pain. The study of pain is a really weird one. 
Yeah. I know it from like a physical therapist point of view. It is very difficult. People used to just think like, oh, you got a herniated disc, you have pain. And then they find out that 60% of asymptomatic people have a herniated disc. Most people that have herniated discs have no pain at all. In fact, if you're 40 plus, I think you have like a 60% chance of having one. Damn. Interesting. Yeah. So it's really weird. They really don't understand pain. There's people that have like tears in their knee, no pain. Some people have pain in their knee, no tears. And vice versa, there's people with chronic back pain and they have no idea why. Dude, the body is insane. The body is insane. They're they're, they're finding that there's something in the process that like pain is partly psychological and it'll do this as a response to let you know that like there is something wrong, but it'll let you know like you might manifest pain in a particular part of your body, even though that's not what's hurt, but it'll do that as like a safeguard to be like, hey, don't use this because bad things will happen if you do. It's almost like a weird like warning signal, even though that's what's not hurt. Dude, it's weird too, because now my wrist hurts a little bit now that I'm thinking about it. And it's <laughs> now I'm like thinking about it again. The study of pain is really interesting and it's really forward and they're putting a lot of resources into it. So if you're interested in that, I highly recommend Google searching it. That stuff is wild, but it must make physical therapists and any physiotherapist head spin because now at this point, how... If you don't know what's wrong, how do you fix it? That kind of is, that is also what led to a little bit our opioid epidemic in mm-hmm. our country. Yep. The Sack family. I don't know if you guys have seen this. If you've been to a hospital recently, you'll see like 10 faces and then you'll be like, on what scale is your pain? And it's like a one to 10 thing. It's like almost mm-hmm. something you'd see in kindergarten, you know, and it's like a smiley face is one. And then like this yep. miserable face is 10. And if you watch the, there's a great show on Hulu called Dope Sick. It's a mini series and kind of shows you how these pharmaceutical companies like convince doctors and salespeople and people just got the world addicted on their opiates and watching it. I was like, oh my God, these people are fucked up. And then I go on Reddit and there's like a subreddit for pain management. And those people hated that move that showed that Dope Sick because they're like, oh, they're trying to take our opioids away from us when we really have pain. And then part of me in my head is like, I get it, but I wonder how many of you are addicts yeah. that are thinking that, like, you know that. And so you need it. How many of you is it in your head? Maybe you do have pain, but, you know, it could be like stuttering. Like, you don't know where it totally comes from. Like, you know, is it, is it filling you with opiates is the only way to do it or. Yeah. It's also, I mean, think about how incredibly disappointing it is to try to relate to someone that, oh yeah, your pain may not have any reason. Or telling someone it's all in their head. That's, a, that's probably yeah. the worst thing possible to hear when you're in pain. That's, that's what they were saying as well. Yeah. The, the, we don't believe you. And you like scrubs. That happened in scrubs a lot too. Like these yeah. doctors know how they're like, JD, the character is like, no, no, he's really sick. He's hurting. He gives him pills, you know? And he's like, mm-hmm. he's it, it, it is hard, but yeah, with jujitsu and combat sports, you want to tough it out. And like, you know, it's interesting. Like this guy's better than me. So he's like stronger than me. So I didn't want to tap because mm-hmm. I felt like I was in a good position, you know, and I didn't want to let it go. Where if it was like someone that maybe I felt like I was better than, but they got me in a good wrist lag, maybe I'd be like, oh, I'll tap like good move. Mm. You know, so it's like how much of this is just ego and stupidity right. yeah. like that's leading to injuries rather than it actually being very dangerous. But then it is dangerous because we are 
Yeah. So here's what's interesting. In grappling, you know the neck is the most attacked thing. In MMA, you know your head area is the most attacked thing. Those are reasons to train your neck. And so I feel completely justified in like training my neck. I don't get neck injuries. Like I'm good. Now with wrist locks, it's also the same exact reason why I attack people's wrists. Cause I'm like, the wrist is so fucking weak. I know. Ugh. It's so weak. Like, what do you risk curl? Like it's nothing. So why not attack it? That's what I think. I'm like, all right, people are always attacking the neck. That's something I can strengthen and get pretty strong actually. Whereas the wrist, I can train it all I want. It's not going to be that strong. I'm going to be so much but. more confident my wrists now this week. Like when it, cause he got me twice with it. I got out the first time easier. The second time was harder, but yeah, my wrists are weak. I have fucking baby wrists. Everyone's um, wrists are weak, man. I mean, some people have flexibility in their wrist, but in terms of like fighting a wrist lock, no one can like, I don't even know if this is flexible when I'm doing it on zoom with Arthur. Yeah, it's all right. Yeah. I'm similar. Yeah. I, mean, I, I know guys that like they can touch, you know, their fingers to their forearm and stuff. No problem. Really? Yeah. My instructor for one, he's unwrist lockable. Yeah. I got it. Maybe I'll start wearing wristbands. Is that cheating? <laughs> can I can I wear one of those? You can wear whatever you want, I guess. I don't know. It's up to your fucking school or instructor. I think that's cheating, but I'll be okay. I gotta protect myself. Maybe, but maybe they have more when they grab your wrist. Now there's like less ways to get out. Yeah, it's sure it's stiffer. Yeah. Yeah, I like who's the famous wrist lock guy? Pete the wrist lock guy or something? Pete the Greek. Pete the Greek. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you should look up his videos. He has awesome wrist lock seminars, but he has so he, stole, he stole that quote from Dean Lister where he's like, Dean Lister told John Danaher, he's like, Why would you neglect 50% of the body? Yep. So Pete the wrist lock guy's like, Why would you neglect five percent of the body? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's good. Yeah. Go after the weak limbs. Maybe it's people like you that are going to lead to more injuries in MMA though, and jujitsu because the wrist locks. Because that was my first thing when you said like, "What are the most injuries in MMA?" I was like, "Well, it's got to be like ankles and wrists." But I mean, maybe- wrists are a little bit different in MMA because you have like the guarding of the glove. Well, I mean, that's why I said jujitsu. That changes jujitsu. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sub stuff. I Although like I think I've mentioned it before, I would love to compete in MMA just with the goal of having a wrist lock done in MMA. That's your dream. I, I'm, yeah. I, I know I can wrist lock people in MMA gloves. It's just a matter of doing it. Yeah. My dream is rear naked choke. I'm just a classic individual. <laughs> I like the weird stuff. Yeah. I feel like with the weird stuff, well, you're really good. So I feel like you're confident in your abilities anyway, and you do a, a weird thing. Like you'll be like, cool. But I feel like if I did a weird thing, then I would just it would be like, oh, he got lucky. It just like, <laughs> <laughs> or maybe you get smashed because the foundation always has to be there, even if you're doing unorthodox stuff. Yeah. Like Imanari well, was always looked at as like, oh, the leg lock guy. But no, his jujitsu is good all around. It's just that's his specialty. I know. And he's a sick fuck. I love him. He was one of the first fighters that liked our Instagram right. post. And uh, his quote in like one of the things I read about him, he was like, well, I, yeah, I just really want to hurt people. Um, you sick fuck like you know he's like well they can't fight if their knees are destroyed you know and it's like well it's like paul harris i would avoid like he's like one of the Mm. scariest dudes Mm -hmm. that's the fun thing about fighting to the aura to go back to mike tyson yeah any if somebody was like oh khabib fights any boxer i'd be like oh yeah of course khabib's gonna win what's wrong with you well when somebody mentions tyson i 
go back to like a 15 year old boy. And I'm like, what do you mean? He's <laughs> a guy like because of his level of viciousness. I think that's what's different about him. Because if you also look at Ty- Tyson as a boxer, all the greatest people he versed, he lost. Yeah. Busted. Yeah. Mikey T. Yeah. He never really avenged any of his losses. And his losses were all like champs. Except Buster Douglas, right? Buster, Buster Douglas. Douglas was, yeah, that was a huge upset. But they said Buster Douglas's mom died, I think, like the week or two before. And People underrated was- Buster Douglas for two, for sure. And he was the most motivated he ever was. Yeah. Exactly. Right. Your mom yeah. dies or you have some major thing like then you just channel. That's that's also what's cool about any sport in general anyway, though, like on any given day. Yep. That's all we watch. Right. Any given day. Anything amazing. Yep. Because sometimes like my girlfriend will watch like something stupid. I'm like, you're fucking watching something stupid, like fucking housewives bullshit. Uh-huh. And I'm like, and she's like, yeah, but you watch sports and you fucking, there's a great meme I saw this week. It was like some pretty girl on Twitter basically being like, guys will find the sports team that they like when they're 11, love them forever and be pissed about it forever. <laughs> like, just like, this is the way. Like, oh, I became a med fan and now I hate <laughs> Which is like, yo, men know how to commit, you know, like we, we... <laughs> We'll pick a team and we'll just be like, that's it. That's my team. And we'll be miserable. But I'm like, yo, at least like in sports, there's like this. We're, yeah, we're magic. willing to die. Yeah. Yeah. Funny. There's like this magic and they put it all out there, you know? Yeah, that is funny. Yeah. The beauty. The beauty. I also, by the way, I put out a challenge to my students when they were talking about this. And I was like, yo, come to the gym. I give you extra credit. Mm. And do well against me. I give you extra, extra credit. Okay. You didn't quantify that at all, did you? What do you mean? Like, I don't know, like 10 points on an exam or like, I don't know if I can. Truth, truth be told, I I lie all the time when I say it. <laughs> They're going to hear just, this. I Good. <laughs> <laughs> I tell my students all the time too. I'm like, you should be doing this because you care about learning. Because mm-hmm. honestly, nobody's going to look at your fucking transcript when you graduate and be like, what'd you get in geography? Nobody gives a shit about this class. I tell them all the time. But I'll always be like, if I bring up a movie like The Wire I'm like, or a TV show, I'll be like, yo, watch The Wire. I'll give you extra credit. I'll do this. I'll give you, I just want them to do these things because mm-hmm. I think it's better than, and if extra credit motivates you, whatever. Like, <laughs> yeah, the tipping point. Yeah. You know, like, so just do it. And then whatever, remind me. And then, yeah, I'll be like, all right, plus five, whatever. Okay. All right, a new for extra credit, wear a mouthpiece. <laughs> <laughs> I'll wear I'll wear a mouthpiece. There you go. I do mouthpieces increase your jaw strength because you're always chewing on it or no? Probably, yeah. Then I'll do it. I need to convince yeah. myself like a benefit more than safety. Yeah, I mean, even today I had someone bite their tongue and stuff, and I'm like, ah, oh, what happened? You know, like that, that sucks. Biting the tongue is yeah. Oh. And they were caught in a choke already, so they couldn't even like unbite Actually, it. You know what I mean? Like. It just mashed it. And you're like, oh. Now that you say all these injuries, I realize I've had all these injuries. <laughs> I bit my tongue. Don't you learn? I've definitely had a lot. But the thing is this, I am a little bit of a masochist. So like somebody cut me on the eyelid with their elbow and they were like so upset. And they were like, dude, let's go to the urgent care. And they're like, I'll pay for it. Because they know I don't have that much money. So <laughs> I was like, I was like, no, bro. Like I, I really actually truly think it looks cool. 
car. And like my girlfriend gets so mad. She's like, you're such a, you got to get stitches. You got to, I'm like, dude, it's going to heal. It's not that bad. She's like, you're going to have a scar. And I was like, I hope I have <laughs> on a scar. Why wouldn't I want a scar? People have tattoos and shit. Like I have tattoos too. Like I want, yeah. I want a cool little scar. That is the big deal. Aren't scars cool? They say chicks think scars. I do think some scars are cool. Some are not. Yeah. But like the eyelid scar, I think is like sick. Sure. Yeah. I always wanted the scar that goes down like from the eye, the eye, like down. Oh, that's like a real battle worn. Yeah. Anime like, character. Viking. Ass. Yeah. 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 <laughs> all, all those archetypes. Yeah. Yeah. I want, I want that one. Oh, that's funny. And I always wanted an eye patch. I always felt like that's cool. <laughs> you could just wear an eye patch, you know. No one's stopping you. Cheating. It's like those people that wear glasses look smart. The cheat code. You gotta earn that like cool level. It's like the people that wear the army gear. Do you ever watch that? The oh Valor. yeah, like stolen valor. Love those videos. It's so yeah. that's so <laughs> wild. That <laughs> you is got, so crazy. If you're bored, go on YouTube and look up stolen valor. And it's like guys that'll wear military gear, and then other military veterans will be like, Yo, that's not the right gear. Like, where'd you serve? And they don't know how to answer it. And then, like, they'll be like, dude, you didn't fight in the army. They're like, yo, this is illegal. And then the person, like, will be like, no, no, I served, like, in the 17th Airborne Division. <laughs> and they'll be yeah. like, 17th Airborne Division. And then eventually they'll be like, they just start I walking didn't... away, like, really weird. Yeah. My favorite response, though, is when they go, oh, I just, it was like laundry day. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> they're like, you wore. So you wore the boots and the camouflage gear because all your other laundry and the medals or whatever. Yeah. Unbelievable. I guess that would make sense. So if I told you, you wear something and you'll get respect and improve your chances of getting laid times three. I feel like most people big, like, right, I'll do that. Yeah, right? It's very easy to see through. Like if I walk around with a UFC championship belt, People aren't just going to just let me into clubs and drink or whatever. They're like, oh, he's a champ, you know, like that's going to follow a up a little, I imagine. But there's only 12 champs, like everybody's in the military. So like, it's kind of hard I to guess. tell. Like, yeah. I'm just going to start calling out everyone for stolen valor. Yo, just start walking <laughs> around with like MMA gloves or something. Like, I don't know. Like, <laughs> yeah, I'll miss. Imagine I call out somebody for stolen valor and they're like, you you didn't serve either. I'm like, yeah, I know. Yeah. I, just, I just want to make sure you did. I'm on your side, bro. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Show, show me the ID. <laughs> My tax dollars paid for you to serve. So did theirs. I know. So did <laughs> but now you get the free drinks at the bar, right? And so yeah. here, here I am paying for these drinks. <laughs> I don't know. Silly stuff. Yeah. But okay. I will wear the mouthpiece, Arturo. Good. And I don't know. Maybe I should wear like something on my wrist just to remind myself not to be stupid with my wrists. I gotta, like, it does give me a tick sometimes. Does that happen to you when you almost get injured and you can't stop thinking about it and you feel bad? Yeah. Yeah. You get you get that too? Like where you where to like, what is that called when you have a thought and you don't want to have that thought, but you have it intrusive. Oh, okay. Yeah. You'll, you'll yeah, get like, of course. Like a little... I think that's normal. I think everyone gets that. No. Yeah. I just hate it. Right. So it's like, oh, yeah. Okay. My intrusive thoughts are when I do something stupid, is what I'm saying. So, like, I don't want to tap. Like, if yeah, I did, I, I think I... that's what it usually is. Yeah. 
right? Okay. Yeah. Got to protect these wrists. Got to protect the body. I hope when you listen to this, it doesn't prevent you from wanting to train because of the injuries. Of course. Rather train better. Also, yo, shout out to my, my boy Nino for winning the tournament. Hey, I saw that. He was awesome. I think also Sebastian from Richmond County Jiu-Jitsu, who's also one of my former students. In nice. Oh, yeah. Uh, jiu-jitsu and then i ended up going to his father's gym and his classes so it was like teacher became the student vice versa so that's dope so it's nice to see people on your team win oh yeah dude of course nice 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 and uh yeah we gotta we gotta get your teacher on too yes gotta, i'll get him on soon we gotta get our coaches on yeah all right next week we have ufc big one we'll see you then for that one thanks for listening guys like always Catch you next time. Hey guys, this is Anoop. I'm sure you've heard. I have a startup called Renta. You can visit me at renta.com, R-E-N-T-A-H.com. The idea is you could rent any type of good service or space. So you could rent uh, Arturo to teach you Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, or you could rent uh, my friend Andy to uh, set up your podcasting equipment for your next gig. Or you could rent uh, the Philosophy of Fighting podcast to uh, promote a commercial on our podcast. Or some gear, right? Like our friend Michael Shear did if you want some Wu-Tang apparel. So uh, check out Renta. It would mean a lot to me. Cheers. Thanks for listening to the Philosophy of Fighting podcast. If you have any questions, suggestions, or if you would like to fight us, send us a DM on Instagram at philosophy underscore fighting.